You're listening to Raices Verdes, a platform dedicated to validating, archiving, and sharing the experiences of people of color, indigenous people, and other marginalized voices in connection to the environment. My name is Samara Almonte, and I want to acknowledge the land we're recording on today. We are on Suquamish and Duwamish lands, or so-called Seattle. Um, actually, I recently saw a book called Seattle Native, and it talked about Native people in Seattle and how... Um, just like Seattle as a city came to be on this land and how indigenous people were kicked out. And so I think it's really important to remember that like even metropolitan spaces like cities like Seattle were also like native at one point, even though they don't always seem like it now where we don't see those parts of the history in such big cities. Yeah, and so obviously I'm just a visitor here in Kosalich land as well as my um, guest for today. And so I'm really excited for my guest. She's one of my longest friends since fifth grade. We've been friends. So this is really exciting for me to still have her in my life. Um, so yeah, Liana Bloom studied me medical anthropology and global health with a minor in nutrition from the University of Washington. She is currently working in the research and healthcare industries in preparation for med medical school. Her favorite activities include hiking and playing with her cat. So cute. <laughs> Hi, Hi, Liana. Hi, Sammy. Hi. Um, so yeah, how are you doing? You just had your birthday. So, you know, how's that going? How's life going right now? Oh, it's good. I would say after going past 21, nothing really matters anymore. <laughs> going older is just a day. I know. I feel like we did such a bigger thing, though, for your 22nd birthday. True. Like well, remember when homecoming landed on my birthday? I was just thinking about that because, you know, like the Facebook memory yes. came back and stuff. I feel like that was a good birthday, too. That was a good birthday. That was, like, kind of your golden birthday, I feel like, because it was, like, homecoming. You were homecoming queen. Yeah. <laughs> like, senior right. year. Like That's about as good as it's going to get. <laughs> Until we get to like 27 or 30. Hopefully 27 is good. <laughs> yes, your actual golden birthday. Cool. Well, I guess before we get started on the topic of today, um, just to like get to know you more, what do you feel like are your green roots or kind of like your connection to the environment or maybe your families and that kind of thing? Yeah. I would say that I was raised pretty outdoorsy. It's declined substantially as I've gotten older, which I think a lot of your guests have actually talked about. Just as we get older, we're stuck in school more. We have yeah. less connection with the outdoors, and it's a much more struggle, and like um, you have to really put effort in to do it. Um, but we've gone hiking before, and that's <laughs> good ways to try and be outdoors. But the way I was raised, my parents really liked to get us out, just out and about. Uh, we used to take Sunday walks, just as the four of us. So I really think that solidified my relationship with my parents. But also, um, we'd go on walks um, every week. And my mom used to really push me and my sister gardening with her. Your dad knows she's an avid gardener. Um, so she'd give us 10 cents to pick up a pine cone, which I thought was a lot when I was a kid, but she'd be like, five max. And then like, you're doing it for free. But that really, I mean, I had a tree house growing up I got to play in. So that really, you know, you get to be in nature and that was really a space for me to kind of thrive in as a child. But then also I think being with my Oma back home in Germany, a lot of the stuff that we did outdoors, we got to, um, my sister and I would bike often to this little field because Germany is a really rural area if you go far enough out of the city. And there's just always this pasture with horses. So that was a place that we were really in tune with nature. I think super quiet, but also my sister got bitten by a tick. So oh that's really in tune with nature. <laughs> but That's like one of the biggest, like, I mean, knock on wood, I have never had any sort of thing like ticks or anything yeah. like that. Bed bugs, like none Ooh, of that ever happened to bugs. me. Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I feel really bad for her there. But still, <laughs> good good opportunity. But I think those have always been just um, values in my family that have 
followed me through my childhood and luckily into adulthood because I think we're more people who are raised to like outdoors and you can see that in where we are today and what we prioritize so right yeah. and your dad like biking I remember right. seeing him do that a lot and like yeah. other stuff like I that. wish I was more of a biker they're expensive <laughs> yeah and it's like a lot it's a, it's heavy exercise it is it is <laughs> my dad's a biker too so yeah no. Ooh, no yeah Cool. Well, I guess today I'm kind of continuing the theme of the last episode in terms of like health. And I think there's a big connection with our environment Mm -hmm. and health. Um, We're doing today's theme is health in rural environments. And uh, that will kind of make sense once Leona starts talking about her experience. But I guess in general, what was your educational experience like at UW? Do you feel like any of those classes discuss this connection between the environment and like medicine or health? Mm hmm. Um, I would say that my, the major that I chose, the medical anthropology, global health and nutrition gave me a really unique view into the connection of the environment and health. I wouldn't say that all fields at, in most colleges, especially UW, necessarily focus on environmental impacts of different fields, but nutrition and medical anthropology and global health, I think had a really unique viewpoint. Um, One of the classes that I got to take while in um, medical anthropology, I took it with Nicole. Mm -hmm. We took our first sophomore year a um, mental health and global health class, which was really interesting. It was like 400 level. It was way above our (laughs) mental abilities, but we did it anyway. And I always use this as kind of an example of what I see connecting a role of environment with health. Um, This woman, she was a landscape architect. She was working actually in Lima, Peru, which is is where you're about to go. That's so cool. Um, So she basically was looking at the case of some people in Lima, Peru who were suffering from depression Mm -hmm. and weren't really um, responding to normal medical therapies, medications, not wanting medication, you know, those kind of things. And so she thought... She noticed her team and her went to the area and realized that in the mornings there was a bunch of fog in the area. Mm. So finding science with, you know, her understanding of mental health, they actually made these fog contraptions that could capture the fog in the morning and bring it to water so that these people could actually start their own gardens in their desert homes and that actually over the course of several years she continued to follow up with the um community and they actually had lower rates of depression over the course of 10 years so that's just one of those examples where i was just like that is amazing. Yeah, Just, I'll have to, like, look into her work yeah. while I'm there in Lima to see if there's other people still doing that or, yeah. like, because that's really cool use of, like, urban space and just, like, the environment. It, yeah, it was amazing. It was such a natural way to really just think about, you know, our minds and how it, I mean, there are points where we use medicine and there are points when we use therapies right. and other kind of um, um, courses of action, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but it was, I just thought it was, yeah, such a beautiful example of using such a natural way of focus mm-hmm. into a community that really thrived after that, you know? It was, I really loved that. So that was one example um, from a more social science standpoint. But I would also say at UW, they, in their general sciences, they actually did a really good job of bringing in the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, in biology, we actually took our last big unit at the end of this um, quarter bringing together everything we learned was actually about our uh, like ecological footprint and we got to look at ice cores that they had and Mm. see you know what kind of species were living at these times and also Mm. really look at how those cores have shrunken over the course of 
you know, however many years because of our warming globe. So that was a really interesting viewpoint just from, you know, a science and mm-hmm. environment focus. And then on a nutrition side, I actually, one of the podcasts you talked to was about fashion. Oh, yeah. And how, fashion. Yes, yeah. that was a great one. <laughs> Yes, yes, Jaslyn, shout out. <laughs> that yes. was a good one. Uh, like, can you believe that's our whole thesis? Like, no, that was wonderful. This one was just like doing this whole thing. Yeah. yeah, but in nutrition, we kind of talked about the same idea where she talks about fashion and how we really don't understand really the whole backstory to fashion. In the same way, in nutrition, their main program focus is actually about how our own system affects the environment. And obviously, nutrition is a completely health impact. It and it it encompasses all that we are right um but in truth we talked it's mostly about food system nutrition so Mm. it was really talking about how you know unsustainable our um false sense of like abundance that we have in our world in relation to food so that really opened my eyes in a different way to health and our what do you mean like a false sense of abundance yeah so um one really interesting example. So remember in the winter when we had this giant snowstorm that was about oh, to come yeah. in and a bunch of people went to grocery stores oh and gosh, bought all yeah. the food. That yeah. would be considered a false sense of abundance because we see all this food on our grocery store you know, shelves mm. and we think, wow, look at all these different foods that we have. But they're gone just like that. If you buy them... Like, it just one surge of not even real snow. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably people that are from, like, the like north, like, the east exactly. coast uh, that are listening to this would be like, y'all did not get in that right. snow. Like, we were fine. Like, right. people could still drive cars in some areas. Exactly. I mean, yeah, like, but, like, the, the idea that you think that could never, you know, deplete. But really, in the course of, a, like, a couple days, it was completely gone. Yeah. And also in relation to our freshwater resources, which are very minimal in what we really believe, like we have right um so those kind of things we really focused on and it really made me think about you know how we're going to switch that going forward so that we have enough for the people in this world and also how not having enough would affect every every part of the human body like mentally and physically in health so and i think it's interesting too what you said about the grocery store example because it might look like an abundance but i guess at the end of the day for me how much of the stuff that people bought is like nutritional, right? Right, right. Like, right. how much of it did you buy was just like frozen meals, like mm-hmm. lots of like I don't know cereals, breads, like things that are like realistically so um, like produced in mass that it's just like is it even nutritious mm-hmm. at this point, right? Because like Absolutely. we know that you're gonna buy things that are gonna last you longer through the winter, <laughs> through the snowstorm, whatever, instead of like produce, right? That's right. gonna go bad soon. So like Definitely. that also makes me feel. Like, I don't know, just, it's so sad. Like, we think we're in abundance, but it's, like, not nutritional for you at all. And at the same time, I mean, I think we focus on, I don't even quite remember what you said because we just graduated, but (laughs) most of our foods are made of just, like, corn and soy. Like, those are just the main ingredients of everything that we eat. So, ketchup and bread and, like, cake (laughs) and, I mean everything is just sugar and flour and mm-hmm. it's just like we're really not eating very different you know i mean when you're eating vegetables yeah you are eating different this is but, kind of like a side yeah. note like it's not it's tied to what we're talking about but it's like side note mm-hmm. uh of what you were saying like going um to germany because obviously if this wasn't already obvious liana's mom is from germany <laughs> so she visits often do you feel like your food experience in Germany especially like your grandma living in a more rural area was very different than like the U.S. Do you feel like you got to experience a little bit more of a healthy organic like Mm -hmm. food system there than here? 
Yeah, sadly, I would say no. Really? Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also, I mean, I can't say, because I've only been in very select places in the world, so I really can't say globally, but in general, you know, people know that the food system is very globalized now. I mean, mm. if you like talking about fashion, if you try to map where our food comes from in this state or in Germany or another civilized area, it's really coming from all over the world, and you can't mm-hmm. even capture all the places that it stopped along the way. And to be honest with you, I didn't, I mean, I eat by besides eating berries like we do here by picking and knowing where your food comes from all the food that I especially ate here and in Germany it's very similar just Mm. food that comes from a grocery store that's been packaged Mm -hmm. so sadly that's been kind of taken away from that side of my life it Mm -hmm. I'm I mean like always I'm sure it originally it originated that way but it's no longer that way Mm -hmm. I hadn't really thought of that yeah I was just wondering that because I know sometimes in like or I guess maybe I was thinking about Europe in general because, like, when I was recently, like, in Rome and places Mm -hmm. like that, it did seem like a lot of the stuff was very local, Mm -hmm. but I guess, like, I obviously have never been to Germany, so I wasn't sure if, like, Mm -hmm. that's something you got to experience with your Oma. Yeah, they do. She does shop at a farmer's market every Thursday, Mm -hmm. so that's more local. I never got to go with her. Mm -hmm. We weren't with her on the Thursdays that she (laughs) went, lol. Um, But I, I guess, actually, now that you mention it, she does get her egg so she this is the thing this town is very small and it's been going through some really big changes Mm. and what i remember as maybe even just a couple years ago she used to go to this woman's house where she had chickens that laid all her own eggs Mm. and she made all of her soups from her garden vegetables and my oma would always bring the her specialty soups for the week and her eggs back home so that was more of like a rural focus Mm -hmm. but those were the only real things that i could think of that would stick out but those were really special those those really bring memories of like real home those aren't campbell's (laughs) yeah honestly (laughs) okay cool well thank you for answering that was like side note yeah for um, sure I guess, yeah, so now, like, kind of moving into why uh, we're talking about rural environments today, so do you want to just maybe, like, briefly explain, like, what you did last spring break, or I guess it's this recent spring break, yeah. where you were, like, shadowing clinics in a rural setting, like, just kind of yeah. what that was like? Yeah, so I was part of a program at the University of Washington, which I think may or may not be in other colleges, I'm not sure, but it's called Healthcare Alternative Spring Break. And we uh, apply for the program, and then you get to you get assigned to a rural community in Washington slash the very edge of Idaho. <laughs> and um, you get to go and shadow doctors or other healthcare professionals. They did optometry, dentistry, whatever, mm. physical therapy, um, in rural areas for a week. So, and then you get to do this whole reflection piece. You also do a volunteer day while you're there in the community. Um, but that's what I did for my spring break. Mm. So yeah. were you with just like a regular pediatrician? Because I know that's like what you want to go into or mm-hmm. what, who are you shadowing? I guess. So I shadowed a... I shadowed multiple doctors, so I was assigned to the medical field. I had also people on my team who did f- physical therapy and mm. optometry, um, but I did medicine, so I got to shadow both a family doctor, several family doctors, um, a PA, so it was kind of interesting to see PA work um, because PAs actually do very similar things to MDs, but I just wanted to see what the different was, difference was, but I also got to shadow um, emergency medicine, oh. and with that, podiatry, so foot doctor, oh. which was kind of cool. I didn't shadow any pediatricians. Oh. Um, makes me wonder if they even exist anymore now. <laughs> but, um, are people even having kids anymore? <laughs> like, are people even focusing just on children anymore? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so those were really cool opportunities. Those are the people mm-hmm. I shadowed. So I guess, how do you feel like the environment, um, 
there, which is very rural compared to like here, Seattle, mm-hmm. um, might affect like that community's health or like needs. Like, did you see any differences while you were there that you're like, oh, like this isn't happening in Seattle or it wouldn't be happening in Seattle? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's super interesting. So we went right at the, I think it spring break is in March. Mm -hmm. So one of the things about Eastern Washington is that it gets a lot of snow in the winter. Mm. So one of the biggest things that happened while I was there was that a lot of patients were, we were seeing patients that hadn't been seen maybe for like a couple years or more. Yeah. Um, Both for physical exams where you get seen every year. Now they are being seen every two years or for people who had like, um, diabetes where you usually get checked up every three months for that just as a regular check um but these were people who we were seeing you know much farther out than those timelines because of for for example time in the winter because of the winter um and not being able to get their car um but also just the distance that people were living from clinic i think the big thing was i mean they weren't going to the doctor unless they absolutely needed to so what we were seeing were much more extreme cases of people who were like i'm having chest pain and i think i might have a heart attack or you know really severe eating disorders or things like that um and that was really interesting to me because here in seattle i mean to be honest with you, I've gone to the doctor when my mom was like, you have a fever. We should go get this oh checked gosh, out. Yeah. Like, I mean, and absolutely, if you have that kind of um, like resource. resource, yeah, that's close to you, you would use that resource just to make sure because those can be really life And really when you're on your, like, parents' health plan. <laughs> exactly. But if you're... Um, if you have those resources in that like proximity to a doctor, of course you use them for less severe things, but these people would only go when they really had severe needs because they were living farther away from the doctor and weather really impacted their ability to get to the doctor. So that was really interesting just to see that kind of difference because it really would shift how we need to reach out in preventative care and how we would just think about what like what are we focusing on in visits because for example here in both areas around the country doctors visits are only 15 minutes and then doctors have to move on that's like allotted by that's i don't know who sets that but that was what i googled when i was looking up you know standard medical appointments and some people really react to that like my doctor i'm just a checklist like you know all Mm. that but it's been set so that's kind of Mm. from the backstory really interesting but Focusing specific, and it might work here in the city because we're coming all the time, we're being seen, they can be seen in 15-minute problems. But for these people who are coming, you know, only when things are really bad, you might really need to consider maybe these people need longer visits because these they are not coming in as frequently because of both environmental and proximity and resource. And it's like, how can we rearrange our health system in a way that would really, you know, reach them? Right. And another thing that I noticed, I mean... And it's not, I'm, it's not a race thing. It's just a lot of people, doctors, don't want to, you know, practice in rural areas. Mm. So a lot of the people who are practicing in rural areas are people who were raised there. And mm. as you may know from Eastern Washington, the population is majority white. Mm. And that's not bad. Those pe- I mean, I'm not saying that's bad at all. That's great. But you also think, how can we make it more appealing to different, you know, representation of medical and healthcare professionals so that... Maybe I just wasn't seeing more people of color because they didn't feel that they would be supported in these rural communities. Not to blame anybody for that. That's just the way the system is and how people, you know, tend towards cities. But yeah, that all this mm-hmm. this study abroad or study abroad study <laughs> over in the other side um, made me really think about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you Especially feel as like, a person of color? <laughs> I was gonna say, do you feel like people were kind of surprised to see like an Asian like student like? they're just like shadowing or were they just like 
like, I don't know, do you feel like that was, like, something that affected the experience at all, or, like, something you noticed, any microaggressions while you were there? Actually, I didn't really notice that at all, no. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to say if it was just because I was kind of a fly on the wall kind of right, thing. Right, right. But, I mean, I got to inter... I got to interact a lot more than I would in a shadowing position here in the city. So that was really unique. And I wouldn't say that I had any, I didn't experience any aggression. It just felt kind of, you know, like, ha, oh, I'm the only one here. My whole group were actually people of color. So I really oh. think it was, I think it was a really interesting experience just to say as like a white person traveling in another country to experience being, you know, a white person among a bunch of people of color. It was really interesting to be a person of color among a bunch of white people (laughs) for the same reason of just, you know, learning that it challenges you because Mm -hmm. you, you, there are things that could, you know, kind of be like, wow, I'm really alone here. But at the same time, I felt really supported. I really did. That's good. And it sounded like, I know when, back when we talked about it, like it sounded like the people in your cohort or the people you went with were like really nice and like really supportive, which I know like can make it or break it when you go to these things. Definitely. They were good. Yeah. Yeah. And then you were staying with like a host doctor family, right? Yes. Yeah, we stayed with two host families. We were five, a group of five, and we separated into three and two. And they were the people who hosted us were healthcare providers. So one was a PT doctor, and one was a family medicine doctor. And they were great. It was really fun to stay with them. And, you know, doing that kind of thing really lets you live in the community the best that you can instead of staying in, like, a hotel, which would be really expensive, but also... It just gives you an opportunity to integrate yourself into where you're living and kind of we didn't get to meet any of their like friends they didn't bring friends over but we met their family members and that was really fun and it's always fun to live with pets for a week so that was <laughs> what that kind was of good. pets <laughs> they all had dogs but okay. you know i guess not everyone can be a cat person <laughs> <laughs> yes um do you did like the doctors mention any other um, issues like going on in the community aside from like what you saw or do they like talk to you a lot of, all, at all about like the community there or anything like that? Yeah I had one opportunity to talk about with one family doctor who I shouted who was also a host of ours. Um, she was really just I don't know she'd she'd gone to school in the city so she had a really good comparison opportunity mm. and we really talked about the things that I just talked about about the shorter visits and how that could really be mended to really reach the communities that she was serving which she really thought needed more focus and attention mm-hmm. um, and she actually got to sit on the board here in Seattle for medicine and kind of talk about those issues and bring those up so I really felt that she was doing her absolute best to try and change a system mm-hmm. that really isn't very responsive to change so yeah she was doing well she was doing really good right yeah do you know if like i know um eastern side of washington and just rural areas in general tend Mm -hmm. to have a big like migrant worker um community Mm -hmm. did you all did you see like any if any of the patients were migrant workers or did they do you know like at all if anything if like Mm -hmm. that community like has different health issues there or Mm -hmm. like anything like that i guess I think we got unlucky in this sense because we were actually in north north of Spokane, which mm-hmm. isn't really um, farm-based, agriculture-based. Oh, okay. A lot of c- people did get to go to Yakima area oh, yeah, and Wenatchee, mm-hmm. and um, some people did go to Bridgeport, which is where Will's from. Oh, okay. Those areas have high migrant populations, true, so yeah. sadly, I never, I didn't get that kind of insight, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Right. So, yeah. do you, so then the majority of the people that were there, what do like do they do in that community? Like, what's their, like, what do they live off? I guess there. Which which one? Like where you were. Sorry. Oh, what do they do? Uh, you know if it they wasn't do like such agriculture. I yeah, guess. they do your everyday stuff. Um, managerial positions. I mean, they were mm-hmm. doing business because downtown Spokane is only like. 10 oh, you minutes were in away. Spokane. Ten minutes north. Fifteen. Oh, okay, twenty-five okay. minutes. 
15, 25 minutes north okay, of so Spokane. Most people would go into Spokane to work. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Definitely going into Spokane or working in their smaller town. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Doing like, you know, I would say restaurant work or right. desk jobs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. So I guess in general, like after that experience mm-hmm. and as like you're getting ready for health, uh, for medical school, um, as a health, like as a future healthcare practitioner, do you think, what do you think is your role and like your colleagues in terms of like advocating for the environment and marginalized communities within this field? Yeah, definitely. I think for me as someone who's still very young in this position and still trying to figure it all out, um, the biggest thing would be just working towards more experiences like the one that I got to have with healthcare alternative spring break, because honestly shadowing and even when I scribe, um, you get very, biased, not biased, but selective opinions (laughs) or uh, experiences. Um, I see mostly higher socioeconomic status people in the city, and I believe that those are important, but I think for me as a young health professional and other, my colleagues as well, just to really try and branch out of that, because that that would be the way to learn, you know, to not only study it academically, but to really experience it. Mm -hmm. So I continue to listen to podcasts like yours (laughs) um, to just kind of give me different insights about what people in my community, like in my like life and my time are really focusing on and things like fashion work and just seeing how that brings in both sustainability and can ultimately, I mean, it can connect to the human. I mean, things that are important to people. And I think that's what my focus on when studying medical anthropology was really to focus on the human, not the science. Mm -hmm. So I really try and continue to follow that branch of my education. Um, I volunteer at 10 City 3, so I think that gives me a really nice, unique perspective on the homeless population, which is really big deal in Seattle. Oh, I'm not really sure what that program is. Oh, yeah. I, um, 10 City 3 is one of the uh, set up homeless encampments. Mm. It tr- They travel every three months because that's their contract with the city. Mm. Um, so I go there once a month. The UW dental students host a free dental clinic, and I'm kind oh. of like the program coordinator for it. Oh my gosh, I yeah. didn't know this. Is this recent? No, or? I've done this for three years now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't, I, what, I no, it's totally this. good. Yes. It just, As, it doesn't it's been hard come up when often, you know, it doesn't, I know, and when we're in college, you're like, what are you doing your second Saturday, and it's like, that would be so random. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, that's yeah. so cool. So you manage, like, the students that are giving the free cl- uh, dental clinic? I manage the patients, patients, I manage the community, oh, um, okay. so I'm basically, like, the advocate in between them, so mm-hmm. I tell the, I talk to the, I, most of my time is really just spent sitting with them and talking to them and just hearing about their life, which is what it means to me, because I'm not pre-dental, so I don't really right. stand in the clinic. I'm not watching them pull teeth, but it's really about, you know, telling them this is a really great program. These people are really trying to help you. They're going to take their time and then coordinating, you know, the schedule and then bringing them to the dental students and saying this is what they need. What and then following up after where do they need to go from here? Mm -hmm. So trying to find them both accessible and, you know, affordable resources in Seattle um, Mm -hmm. and continuing that kind of advocacy work. So that's really fun. Yeah, no, that is really important because I know I've seen a lot of stuff in social media and like I think other folks might have too that like there's been people snitching on homeless people in Seattle have you been seeing about that no I haven't so like there's like these flyers that went up that said like oh like someone created an app that if you see a tent you can like report it to the police (gasps) through this app 
to like what? you know just like basically harass like homeless people and oh it's like God. okay like it's not their choice that they're homeless like right. it's all they have is like their tent just like let yeah. them be like don't like don't bother them like right. why is it bothering you like I move know. on and so like i'm really glad to hear that there's like these programs you know that like at least providing them health care and i know that there's other programs out there that like provide them mental health mm-hmm. um resources and just like health resources in general Definitely. right it's like just because they're homeless and like that's what their environment looks like doesn't mean they're not like human and deserve like these things exactly exactly and to even start from when i started three years ago i'm not going to lie i wasn't above everyone else i thought like homeless people like mm-hmm. how did i really i mean i kind of thought like they ended up there because of something you know that they did like i don't right. know they weren't working or whatever yeah but as you start you to internalize really, like right, that thought that the stereotypes of, yeah. the, of a homeless person but after working with them for you know even just a couple months it was kind of like a lot of these i'm not going to say everyone because there are different groups of homeless people but a lot of homeless people especially in established camps are there because of just something that happened in life something that could happen to you or me in life and it's just very humbling to think that there that my role as a healthcare provider in the future would be to really just do these little things I mean dental work doesn't seem big to you or I because we get that maintained so so easily but for these people it was not just a source of like being able to talk and chew again but it's a real source of confidence and ability to move back up in the world where they had once felt just completely trampled and that was that's really the reason I keep doing it um Mm -hmm. and I think that really you know that changes your viewpoint just as a young individual trying to figure out where they belong in the world right so that's been a really powerful experience is doing that are you still able to do it even if you're not a student like yeah still writing that yeah i still do that yeah um the yeah it's run by just volunteers the Mm -hmm. program coordinator part my part the dental students do their own thing um Mm. so i can continue to do that um but it's really inspired me to try and find other works similar to it i've really thought that it'd be fun to do something with like planned parenthood or other types of communities um youth Mm -hmm. youth communities so hopefully look into that as an aspiring health professional. But on the environmental side of the whole thing, there is a documentary that recently came to my attention that makes me think, makes me really have faith in the ability of the medical community to step up its game in response to environmental sustainability because honestly, I think they're lacking very, very Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of it is from the education, right? Like, you were really lucky that, like, your education experience was a little bit more holistic and right. y'all brought in the environment. It might be because we're in Seattle, we're like the location that we're in, but so many of the medical field is just so like science, like hardcore exactly. science. And then they just like don't have any social aspects. Definitely. It. No, you hit it right on the mark. That's completely true. And with that comes, I mean, and this is just a part of science. And I think a lot of us who've taken science know that the way that our society just defines like sterile and clean Mm -hmm. really had an effect on the medical community and just I mean I have shadowed OBGYN and surgery and the amount of trash and plastic we create to be (laughs) sterile is just like oh my god people gave birth in the dirt like I mean, obviously, I don't want people to give birth in the dirt anymore. Unless they want to. I'm trying to have, like, a water birth. Like, I'm trying to have, like, a home birth. Like, I'm trying to have birth I hope I'm there for that. (laughs) Yes, I hope you give birth to a kid. Yes. We don't know that for sure. But, I mean, there are ways, I see both the pros and cons in those, obviously, because there are obviously things we need to bring forward, like not having our poop run down the streets. Right. But... (laughs) The documentary was about different ways that technology and engineering have started to try and mimic the environment, Mm. the natural environment, instead of creating, like, plastic and, you know, um, 
like what is it called just like clean like a uh, like things, waste yeah stuff to clean whatever oh mind. like the just like um yeah just like <laughs> cleaning wipes you know just like chemical like, oh yeah yeah chemical, like chemical responses cleaning. to sterilize stuff mm. and they were doing things like you know people get infections really frequently in hospitals they get pneumonia after surgery and one of the things that someone had found was the skin of i don't remember if it was an insect or like a sea creature but bacteria cannot grow on it so they actually started to not kill the species but synthesize something that was similar to it in science like model it after the exactly which Mm -hmm. was really impressive because obviously that would take away all of our sterilizing equipment that's like chemical and soap and like well not Mm. soap don't stop washing your hands but like (laughs) you know cloth and just that kind of stuff and that would completely sterilize surfaces all on its own and that was just something that I don't know, you know, puts faith in your, like, oh, the no, medical definitely. community can do it. Yeah. Because you see that the the importance of sterilization for even people in the world now, to, expe- to expect that of the medical field is, like, that's not going to go away. It's pretty right. ingrained. But how can medical people or healthcare providers and scientists come together and environmentalists to say, we've studied these things, these things are happening in the world already, how can we mimic nature, who's mm. already doing such a great job, and bring that into our world? And that, that was, yeah, wow. I hope that continues. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, but, like, that's so real. Like, whenever you just go to the doctor, there's just so much waste. Yeah. goes into everything. All and, the like, gloves? Yeah. My gosh. And I have no idea how they, re- like, can you recycle gloves? Like, no. That, no. That's not recyable, huh? No, like, that's trash. That's oh microplastic. That's the oh. stuff you're drinking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. What's the name of the documentary? I'll have to look it up and let you know. Okay. I'll have yeah. to let you know. Well, Maybe you can put it on the website later. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Or whatever. Cool. Well, I think that's a really good way to wrap it and just, like, in general, give a call out to, like, folks in the medical field, like, thinking about the waste that you're producing and, like Liana said, you know, looking into other resources. Like, is there already biodegradable, like, tools that you can Mm -hmm. start using, Mm -hmm. right? Or, like, other things like that. Um, Do you have any, like, final thoughts? Any, like, closing things before we close off <laughs> well it was super fun to talk on this podcast there's so many just influential people so it's so humbling and just to, such a privilege to think that someone thinks of that of me as a person oh, yes Thank you. of course i think it makes me really excited to like see how my friends are integrating yeah. these aspects into their lives and just like just to see the new generation of like yeah. folks going into medicine especially is like making me really yeah. excited and definitely just as as we grow as just academics and people in the world. It's really just, I thought of healthcare as such a strict one-way path, you know, that this is science. This is, we're going to help people. That's like the quote that you're not supposed to use in your applications. But like, (laughs) there's so much more to it. There's so many facets. And if anyone who listens to this is like still thinking, I want to go into medicine, I don't know yet. What should I study if I go into medicine? I highly recommend a social science, something that's not biology. Not that I'm saying you can't study biology, but to also hopefully try to include some sort of humanities study into what you're hoping to do, because that will ultimately give you the best idea of the world and who you're going to be treating one day and the right. the real, the complications that are going to be part of your day-to-day work. And just to make you like a people person, because yeah. I feel like so many, like my recent doctor that I had, like she just was so awkward. Like yeah. I went in for um, like a new um, 
what's it called like uh birth control mm-hmm. like type of thing and like i was just you know like an emotional process like that's just, just like a lot to like deal with your body yeah and i was you know like crying because these things again are emotional you're like putting hormones in your body and she was just so awkward oh my gosh. like she was just that's so like sterile and just kind of like there there like oh she, she literally was like i don't like when people cry like i don't know what to do and i was like you're a doctor like what you're do you a doctor like what do you mean yeah that's so awkward so it's just like like you said like i feel like that has to do again a lot with like your education system like people that go into and like you know she was older in the sense mm. that like we know that she was kind very of traditional. Like, very traditional in the way that her schooling experience was i'm sure mm-hmm. so i feel like she just had like a very rigid like i don't deal with emotions i deal with your body and that's about it <laughs> she's like what is the body of my emotions like, right you. and i was just like oh my god like or, uh, just and i've had you know that's not the only doctor that i've obviously yeah. seen and like so many of them have been like that that are just yeah. so like awkward and don't have yeah. these social like aspects to them definitely and you know they're trying their best because honestly they do they work with what they got in their time of learning and right. one day our type of learning will be like that's so out but right like, yeah we'll be outdated but it's like to be young and be able to choose something that's hopefully a holistic approach is what you choose now. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, thank you again. And thank you all for listening to Raices Verdes. Uh, this is a podcast for he- healing our relationship to the earth as people of color to stay updated on future episodes and connect. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Nuestras Raices Verdes or NuestrasRaicesVerdes.com. And then this episode and all episodes are available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. Thank you. Thank you.